Google I.O. is back. The annual developer conference is being held virtually this week. During the opening keynote on Tuesday, Google announced a lot of different things. Most notably, the first public beta of Android 12 was previewed and released, complete with the new Material U design, some privacy enhancements, and plenty of other features. I'm Jason Cipriani with Jason Perlow, and on this episode of Jason Squared, we're talking Google I.O. and Android 12. So how are you doing today, Perlow? I'm all right. Uh, you know, I feel like I got so much rest after, you know, sleeping after that event yesterday. <laughs> uh, I feel like, you know, I just wanted to take a huge nap during the event. Uh, I will say this about, you know, this particular event as it relates to other industry, you know, online events that we've seen in, in the last year. Uh, the energy level was nothing like one of Apple's events yeah. or, or even I'd Microsoft agree. build or anything like that. Um, this whole thing felt like it was being held in my neighbor's backyard. And I was actually expecting, you know, dudes to be walking off camera, you know, grilling hot dogs on on, on like little Weber kettles and something in front of the, the, the screens. <laughs> Where's that the beer, the, bro? Yeah, that or this thing was held in the middle of like Apple's quad inside the space bagel. <laughs> and like the middle of the space bagel, like they came in in the middle of the night and they moved all their chairs and their presentation equipment there. Well, hopefully that, you know. Nobody was looking. I was expecting like Apple security to come walking in like, what are you guys doing here? Yeah. Go home. Get out of here. Get out of here, Sundar. <laughs> yeah, Sundar. You're in the Sundar, wrong campus. <laughs> Sundar, what, what are you doing here? Get out of here. Like, so yeah, it yeah. kind of felt like it was kind of a weird, it was kind of a weird locale for them to be holding a tech event. You know, I mean, I guess I, I, I'm wondering what the thought process was, but it was, it was just, it was odd. It was very odd. I agree with you. In the moment, I was, you know, frantically working like crazy. But looking yeah. back on it, yeah, uh, it it <laughs> it was. No one was excited to be talking about what they were talking about. No, and and or at least overly excited. You know, you could tell there were there were certain aspects of it that they were excited about, like the Google Maps stuff. Was that lady was excited, and you know stuff like that. But overall, Sundar just was like going through his script, and it just there wasn't that big. Giant it felt, it felt like it, it felt like everybody was heavily sedated. <laughs> right yeah but yeah. that said they they spent two hours being heavily sedated and yeah. talking about all sorts of different initiatives and you know uh, their moonshots a couple moonshots that they're gonna that they are working on and they're starting to preview publicly and yeah. you know sundar came out and said the entire event was focused around a single mantra of building a more helpful google for everyone and it's it's with that approach they announced man Let's start with Google Maps. You know, they and and they announced they've added over fifteen or one hundred fifty thousand kilometers of bike lanes in Google Maps, and they answered or they're going to add some new eco-friendly routing options, so you can pick that in Google Maps, and it will figure out instead of the shortest or the fastest way, the the route that uses the least amount of gas to get to maybe your commute or you're going on a long road trip. And then they're also doing a safer routing feature, which I thought was interesting, but I wanted them to spend a little bit more time talking about it. Apparently they're going to use machine learning to determine the safest route based on weather and traffic and whether or not you're going to have to suddenly slam on your brakes, which, yeah. oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, that can happen at any time. So maybe there's routes that that is more prominent. I don't know. Um, but I, I don't use Google Maps anymore. Apple Maps is actually caught up for it. Yeah. Caught up to me. So 
So I, I'm excited I have, to see this though. I, I go through Google Maps versus Apple Maps battles in my household all the time because my wife is a staunch Google Maps fanatic. And she like actually yells at me when I plug in my iPhone, I turn on Apple Maps and she goes, why are you following this route? Why are you, why are you taking these directions? <laughs> these directions are wrong. I'm like, Rachel, you know, Google and Apple are probably using the same third party services for, for, for this type of, you know, data. I mean, I happen to think that Apple Maps has improved so much tremendously. And the fact that I like the fact that, you know, it will cause haptic feedback on my on my Apple Watch for certain things yeah. to keep me alert and things like that. So there's a lot of things that I like Apple's integration. Uh, but look, I, I've, I've turned on app, you know Google Maps at times. I do think Google Maps is an excellent platform. They've added so much stuff to it. And clearly, you know, Google wants to make it better. Um, Great. Awesome. You know, I mean, it's, it, it's, 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 you know, this is one of the, 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 the key, you know, things that we use Google services for, you know, yeah, well. finding stuff and getting places. I mean, that's, 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 so the more they can add to it, the better they can make it, the better. That's, I, I see that I see no downsides to this at all. I agree with you hundred percent. So another thing they announced was uh, a new, I guess you'd call it a product, maybe a service called smart canvas for Google workspaces. Yeah. And I don't know how to explain it exactly. It looked like a collaboration tool that was a mix of maybe Google Sheets, Docs, and I don't know if you've ever used the task managing app Asana, but it, where you can like assign tasks to people and subtasks and comment. And, and it, it kind of looked like that. Basically, mm. they're adding more collaboration features to Google Docs. Yes, yeah, this is their this is a, this is their answer to my, what Microsoft is doing with Teams. Microsoft has had a very similar type of application mashup thing for a while. I don't know how many people actually use it, but I mean, I know I know some. I mean, people Microsoft, who work at Microsoft use it all the time. Um, right. and, and you know, it's basically you know you're you're adding uh, you know Microsoft Office components to a single pane view where you've got the the meeting stuff and the presentation stuff and and, and collaboration stuff all on one interface. Um, so obviously clearly this is what Google wants to do with their with with workspaces office suite, you know, it, it, it's it's a natural evolution of of their of their productivity platform to integrate all this stuff in, in a yeah. single pane of glass, you know. They're yeah. also adding Google Meet, which is their video calling platform. Uh, it's changed over the years many times the name of it. But so Google Meet is being integrated directly into Google Docs, Sheets, and Slides. So that means the next time I submit a story and my editor is currently in there tearing up my copy, uh, I may be forced to go face-to-face -face with them as they do it. I don't, I don't know. I'm not very excited mm. about this one, but I could see it being helpful in the remote setting. Even though things are opening it back up everywhere, there's still a lot of remote work being done, remote classwork being done. So in that setting, I could see it being extremely helpful if you're collaborating on a project with someone. So I think it's a, it's a big addition as well outside of the workspaces uh, feature. Yep. Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously, you know, they've had this, you know, uh, Meet has been integrated for enterprise users for a long time, at least for the last, I don't know, six months or so. They've, they've, they've migrated into that. Um, getting this, having to have to see that at, in the consumer space with regular consumer gray Google accounts is going to be interesting once that once that's more that takes hold. Because uh, yeah, I haven't really. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to be interesting to see if, if regular people start using it. So one of the weirder parts of the keynote yesterday was a voice command and Google Translate and just overall voice command demonstration uh, Google did. And that had to do with 
I believe it was, yeah, it was Pluto. The planet was all of a sudden alive and able to talk and answer questions. <laughs> and then there was a paper airplane that could talk and answer questions. And they were using these two random objects to display one of their moonshots called Lambda, which is a nat natural language platform that they're still working on inside the company. And basically, it's a smart natural language platform that goes beyond a yes or no answer or giving you just the facts, but having a more conversation-like interaction. Uh, it's, it's, Alexa has tried to do this with the follow-up commands, but the way they went about showing it off was very confusing to me. So I, I kind of understand what they're trying to do. These are like contextual language queries as opposed to having the, the standard types of, of database queries that you might have uh, with, with some of these expert system platforms that we've had previously. So they're kind of like turning it on its face. Like, so like, like if I wanted to understand hamburgers, I could have a conversation with a hamburger, right? So tell me, so, so tell me hamburger, how you're feeling. Well, I'm feeling medium rare and, right. you know, um, I, I, my, my salt level is, uh, you know, um, you know, uh, light. And uh, the pickles are making me feel very vinegary right now. I mean, I mean that I, I but I could see them not. I mean, that's a funny example, um, you know. But I I think that there are certain types. I, I see where this is evolving towards, right? That sure. being able to have uh, that that so that that common so non data scientist type people could have more uh, natural conversations about the information that they're trying to retrieve. Essentially, right? Um, you know, I could see this being done with restaurants. I could see this being done with uh, medical type issues. I could see this, you know, anything where uh, you want to understand better the subject that you're asking about. You know, it's, it, it, I, it, I'm, I'm not a data scientist. Um, I'm not a machine learning guy, but I kind of understand what they're trying to do. Whether this will, oh, no. be, whether this type of interface will be successful, right? Sure. I think is is debatable. No, I, I 100% I mean, understand what they're trying to do. Yeah, I think the way they went about demonstrating it was very weird. Uh, you know, I can see, let's take the Pluto example. I can right. see that being in a museum with the 3D Pluto and right. kids walking in and saying, hey, Pluto, tell me about yourself and having a conversation that way in a natural conversation. I get it. I get what they're trying to do. It just it was very weird to have a paper airplane talking about how when it hits the ground, it it, it may crumple up a little bit. It just it, the whole thing was just strange to me. I'm excited for where this can potentially go, because this goes beyond just talking to Pluto. This goes, you know, Siri, Google Assistant, Alexa. It, it impacts everything. And, you know, maybe we'll have Hal for real one day and actually have these conversations like that. But it, it just the, the entire way they brought it up was just flat out strange to me. It, it was weird. Yes, it was weird. <laughs> All right, so here's a cool update. I think that um, I don't use this tool for in Google Chrome. I use a dedicated password manager. But yep. Google Chrome has a built-in password manager, and it now works across all devices, or it has for a while. But what Google is adding now is when it detects, the password manager detects that a password has been compromised, one of your passwords, say in a leak or a hack or whatever it is, or you're using the same password across 20 sites, which you should never do, 
Google Chrome will now prompt you and say, hey, you really need to change this password, tap here and I'll do it for you. And it's only on, it's only gonna roll out on Chrome, Chrome for Android right now. But basically from the demonstration, you do tap a button, it opens the site, goes directly to the change password page, enters a new secure password for you, saves it, and then you don't have to worry about it going forward. I think this is gonna take a lot of friction out of changing passwords for people. LastPass has had a feature like this for a while that does it yeah. all in the background. You hit a button and it just, it goes and changes whatever sites you select. So it's cool to see Google adding something like this. I wish more password managers had a feature that was similar. Yep, yep, agreed. Passwords suck. No, no, password. one, like, no one likes changing them. Um, you know, my, my mother-in-law, my parents always go through this. You know, they, 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 they use sticky notes and stuff. I don't, and don't, don't get me started. I oh, know it's, it, it, I know, I know. <laughs> uh, so there's more privacy controls coming to more Google apps. Uh, you know, they rolled out a while back that you could uh, have Google automatically delete your information after a set amount of time. Now the default uh, selection is Google will delete all of your activity through your Google account after 18 months. And I think they have 2 billion accounts with that turned on right now, mm -hmm. which is a lot. 18 months seems like a long time to me. I would prefer that time frame be a lot shorter, but I can see why people would want to leave it or Google especially would want to leave it at 18 months. They get to hold on to that data a little bit longer. Yeah. So what do I you mean, think of the, Oh, go ahead. Yeah, I, the 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 interesting was also the lock privacy thing. I, I thought was interesting. Um, most of most people probably don't even realize when they have Android phones that every single photo they tape is instantly uploaded to the cloud. Pretty much, it, I mean, so so it's it's it is stored there, you know. Right. So it's it's so like so, but I mean, you, I think people need to have more discretion about the stuff that they're photographing, you know, with the understanding that everything's being uploaded. That's that's. That's something I have to tell people all the time, you know. Um, Absolutely, yeah. Right. So the new the new photos feature is they're just adding a, a locked folder to the Google Photos app. Where yeah, it's like a, a hidden folder. So but the example they gave in the keynote was a lady and her husband had bought their child a dog uh, for Christmas, and they took a whole bunch of pictures, but needed to hide the photos before the kid got the dog. Right. Uh, so they locked them in this private locked folder. So, I mean, I get it. I iOS has a hidden folder feature uh, since iOS 14 launched. So it, you know, I get it. People have to take pictures. They don't want anyone who has access to their phone to see. So, you know, it makes sense to me. Did I, you wish they, I wish that they extended that to all forms of data you want to save though. You know, yeah. uh, not, not just photos would have been nice. But Did you see this Google search update that they're getting for shopping where you can take a screenshot or a photo, Google Lens will analyze it and then tell you where to buy the item. No, that's interesting. Yeah, so they, they posted a screenshot uh, or they used the example of a screenshot of a basketball player and, and the, the presenter wanted the shoes that the, the player had on and Google Lens was able to identify the shoes and tell them exactly where to buy them. But in addition to that, also tell them what alternative shoes were similar, what other options they had if they didn't have maybe his size or whatever it was. It seems like a, a cool way to use Google Lens. I, you know, it's there. I I don't hardly ever use it. Maybe once yeah. in a while to translate some foreign language that's, you know, on a piece of paper or whatever. But, you know, that's that's the extent of my Google Lens uh, use. Yeah, I use it occasionally. Um, but I kind of have to remember that it's there. 
you know? Yeah, absolutely. So the biggest announcement probably was Android 12. And we finally, this wasn't the formal announcement, right? The like first announcement of Android 12. We actually saw Android 12 in developer beta back in February, but there weren't a lot of user facing features. All of it was pretty much under the hood, API changes, yeah. tools for developers. Hey, start building your apps towards this new operating system that's coming. So during the keynote, which they, probably spent more time on this than anything else, they unveiled all of Android 12, the features that are coming, and a brand new design approach. Instead of material design, it's now called Material U. And this new design, which will launch for the Pixel phones only at first, and then eventually roll out to other phones, basically what happens is the entire operating system relies on what your wallpaper is, and then it uses machine learning and AI to analyze the main colors in that wallpaper, and then it adjusts the interface throughout. So whether it's your uh, settings panel, your app drawer, uh, your quick settings panel, all of that, those different types of the interface, and it applies colors that match and go with your wallpaper. And there's there's more subtle tweaks to this too, like the way the notifications look are different. The quick settings panel has a complete revamp. It looks completely different with huge buttons now. Um, and they released the first public beta yesterday for Pixel phones yeah. and they had 10 other hardware partners. I think the only one that's really prominent here in the US is OnePlus and yeah. it's for the 9 and 9 Pro only. But there's a lot of good stuff in Android 12 so far. I, I know you installed it. I, I have. I, I got it installed the minute it was available. Um, you know, I've been running the, the, the developer preview for a while, which didn't feel different to me. It was just, yeah. you know, it was, maybe it felt a little snappier and a couple other things. Uh, but there's definitely um, a huge uh, perception of change in terms of the smoothness, um, in terms of uh, overall responsiveness. Um, aesthetically, I really like it. Um, I do like that auto theming material you capability. That's that's kind of interesting. Um, it just it's just lots of little tweaks that 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 feel like they've um, they've they've refined it a, a bit more. I mean, it's not like a huge jump between Android 11, but it, it's definitely uh, there are some aspects to it where I feel I let, I'll tell you the one thing that I felt the biggest change overall was how much more natural uh, gestures felt. In this release, because the last several years, all the, you know, whether it was you know Android 10 or Android 11, um, even if I had a phone that supported gestures out of the box, right, or gestures by default, I always switched it back to uh, button navigation because I I just felt that it didn't feel as smooth um, as it was on my iPhone, uh, and now I finally feel like I can use gestures as the as the main default uh, control. Uh, method as opposed to, you know, turning those buttons on. Yeah, I think this is arguably the biggest design change we've seen in Android Yeah, in, a, in many years, if not ever. It, it, there's There are subtle tweaks, but it all combines to a completely new look for Android. And it, I, I think it looks great. The notifications look awesome. Yeah. You know, they have rounded corners, but there's a bouncy feel to them. I, I really appreciate the bigger buttons in the quick settings panel. I always yeah. hate those little small circular icons. Uh, and these buttons take up half the display. You know, there is, there's a two by whatever grid. Uh, so there's only two buttons going horizontally across. It's easier to figure out what you're going to tap yep. and 
be more accurate. But I think some of the bigger changes come in the form of privacy features that Google has announced. Not many of them are actually live in the beta quite yet, but they did show what they're going to look like and how they're going to behave. You know, there's a new privacy dashboard that will show you a running yep. timeline of what apps. The audit trail. I, I like yep. the audit trail. That's really cool. Yeah. And then from that point, so you could see that this app access, this data at this time, and then you could go back and see how often it does that. And you, from that screen, you could decline its access, you know, revoke its access to that data instantly. And there's also, a lot of this is coming from iOS, right? These are a lot of iOS features, iPhone features yes. that Google is implementing, and, but they're good. They're good for consumers. They're good for privacy. I don't care. Borrow all of the privacy features that Apple has. And, yeah, except they're not. Except they're not borrowing app tracking transparency. We tried which, to find something like it. Yeah, yeah. We were digging through the operating system today. They didn't announce anything like that yesterday, but we thought, ah, maybe, and nothing there. It, which isn't surprising. Google makes a lot of money off of ads and information yeah. it has on its users, so that's kind of expected. One thing I did like that iPhone doesn't have that eventually Android 12 is if. So now Android 12 will have the same notification dots that the iPhone has when an app yeah. is accessing your camera or your mm -hmm. microphone. But instead of just telling you that that app is accessing your camera or your microphone, you could pull down the quick settings shade and turn off access instantly for that app. And the iPhone doesn't have that option. I wish it would. That'd be nice if I saw you know, a random app accessing my mic. I don't want to have to dig through settings to revoke that access. I, a quick swipe down and a tap of a button and it's done. I, I think that's a great touch. I can't wait to actually see it in use in Android 12. I assume as this gets closer to launch in August, September timeframe, when they normally release the official update, it'll be added in subsequent beta releases. Um, so yeah, any other thoughts about Android 12 before we move on to some of the other announcements? No, it's awesome. I, I, I mean, obviously I've only had it for a day, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, right. but, um, you know, I think it's, I, I think it's, 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 it's a nice improvement so far. Um, and it's yep. probably one of the most, one of the cleanest betas I've ever seen yet for Android. I'd agree with that. So mm -hmm. Google has this thing they call better together and it used to only focus on their Android phones working with Chrome OS devices. And yesterday during the keynote, they announced that they're going to start working on improving how Android devices work better with more devices, including cars. There's now a car uh, key functionality being that will be built into Android 12 where you can use your NFC uh, capabilities of your phone to unlock your car or lock your car. It'll be limited to Pixel and Sam Samsung Galaxy phones, and it'll start with BMW vehicles later this year. But Apple has the same sort of thing. I yeah. think this is where the future is going. Our phones become our car keys. My phone has been my car key for almost two years now with my Tesla. And I, I absolutely love it, not having to worry about a random keychain. You know, if I know where my phone is, I know how to get into my car and I know where my keys are. But they also announced that they're going to build in an app to Android for Android 11 and Android 12 that allows Android TV OS users. So if you have the new Google Chromecast, for example, you'll have a built-in TV remote on your phone now. iPhone has had this for years and the app actually looks yeah. quite a bit like what iPhone users have. But I love the expansion of being able to use more devices with Android. I hope it continues moving forward. Some big news that neither of us expected. No. Google Wear OS is now Google Wear. 
And the reason for that is Samsung's Tizen operating system, which has been used on its smartwatches for the last few years, and Wear OS are now being combined into one operating system. The two companies partnered on this, and they're not going to keep it just for themselves, but they're going to allow Google's hardware partners to use this operating system as well. And hopefully, hopefully, Google will finally have a respectable wearable operating system once this releases later this year. Yeah, interesting. You know, Tizen is an open source project. Um, so it'd be interesting to see to what extent this combined operating system will be open source. Um, I mean, whether it'll just be the old Tizen will be the only open source option and AOSP will be the only Android open source option or this this combo where thing is just <laughs> going to be reserved just for partners, right? So I, I think it'll be... I I am interested in the more open story about what 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 others can do with this operating system besides just Samsung and Google. Yeah, we don't know a lot of the logistics about it yet. I in fact I didn't even realize it was open source until you just told me. But we do know that developers will still be able to create and list apps in the Play Store. So assuming that the the uh, back end of it will still be Wear OS like for developing apps. Tizen apps have always been behind. What yeah. Wear OS has. So this is a, a big boost for Tizen on its own, but the Tizen operating system has always been better than Wear OS. So combining the two makes a lot of sense and I'm glad to see it. Again, came out of left field, didn't expect that at all. And, you know, I look forward to seeing what they do. Fitbit, which Google recently acquired, announced during the event that they will have Wear-based Fitbit devices later this year. Actually, they said this fall. So uh, not too many months from now, actually. And so, you know, that's a lot to look forward to. Again, Wear OS has been the laughing stock of smart watches and wearables for quite a few years. So it's, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what they do here. Yeah, I mean, you know, Jason, as you know, I, I am a, a, a staunch Apple Watch, you know, uh, you know, religious zealot at this point, right? I'm not, I'm not going <laughs> right. to leave, I'm not going to leave watch, but I, I, I've always thought that there should be, you know, a good um, second or third third party player. Um, Absolutely. And, uh, you know, I thought that I, I was I had I had been monitoring the whole Fitbit situation for the last couple of years. It seems like the merger took forever. It seems like, you know, because of the, the, the pandemic and such, we did not see any major improvements by Fitbit in terms of products. Um, we haven't we didn't see the integration between Google and Fitbit pretty much at all and now we're starting to hear you know the uh, you know the um the the former C- the ceo the former ceo founder of fitbit um you know got on for a little bit for a couple of minutes uh dur- during uh this presentation and said yeah hey, we're going to have x y and z we're going to integrate our cloud stuff and blah 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 so we're starting to hear how the story is finally playing out right yeah. the, que- the question is can they execute that's yeah. the big thing yeah the acquisition hasn't been closed for that long so i'm not surprised it's it's taken this long Fitbit did release the Sense smartwatch right in the middle of the pandemic, first half of the pandemic, but it was more medical device than smartwatch. Yeah. It has a lot of cool tech, a lot of cool sensors and features in it, but it just, 
you felt like you had to have a doctor to tell you what was going on <laughs> on the watch. I, I tested it and I reviewed it and it just, it was a medical device, not something for consumers to use. So hopefully they take a step back, learn some lessons from that. And when we see the wear-based Fitbit device this fall, you know, it takes advantage of the new wear platform, but with the know-how and the health understanding that Fitbit has had, because they have a ton of data, they have a ton of insight into everyday health for common users and, and uh, everyone alike. So speaking, speaking of health, um, I was a bit creeped out by the thing that they show with the artificially intelligent skin condition diagnostic system. So I thought, so I think it's great that we that they can use machine vision to identify, um, you know, um, diseases. Right. Um, I, I'm just kind of glad that they did it with skin first before something else. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. <laughs> yeah. yeah. This is something that IBM's Watson has been able to do for a while, I believe. Yeah. At least yeah. maybe with skin cancer. Uh, but you had to feed it images. So the image had already exist. The, what Google showed off yesterday was an app on your phone. You point the camera at your skin if you have a bump or a rash and you want to know what it is. And almost instantaneously, you get a result and it tells you, hey, you need to see a doctor or no, you don't need to see a doctor. It's just a random rash or whatever it is, you know. So it, I'm all for self, self health, I guess is what I would call it. And being able to get instant information as long as that information is accurate and doesn't scare users that's that's right. the big key here so this needs to go through a ton of testing before we actually see it in the real world at least i i hope it does there was one thing one moonshot that absolutely blew my mind yesterday and we probably saw it for only 30 seconds it was the shortest announcement out of everything google announced yesterday and that's project starline did you see yeah. this demonstration it was neat what they did um i i have different thoughts about it um, yeah. So basically what it is, is they have a, this, it's a big setup right now. I'm sure it'll shrink down over the years, but it, instead of doing a video call on like zoom, where you see someone flat in 2d on a screen, they take this technology and they create basically a holograph on the other side of you that looks like the person you're talking to, but it looks like they're actually physically in the room with you. And you could have a one-on-one -on -one conversation. And this is stuff like straight out of the movies, straight out of sci-fi. Yeah. It's not a holograph that's, you know, Star Wars-like when you get messages, you know, out of R2-D2. This is, it looks like a true person sitting on the other side of a table with you. And, and like I said, the demonstration was only about 30 seconds. So we didn't get to see too much of it. Just that, hey, we're working on this and look what we're able to do. Who knows how much camera trickery was used in that demo. But it, it looked very stunning to me. It was neat. Um, it was kind of like, um, you know, I've been watching this TV series on, on Netflix recently. I don't know if you've seen it. Uh, it's called Love, Death, and Robots. And no. it's, like, it's, the, it's the short, uh, it's an anthology series with all these like, like 15, 20 minute uh, episodes. It's actually kind of cool if you watch it. It's not for kids, but you should definitely watch it. And it's it's got a lot of animation in it. And a lot of the animation in it is like of this, I don't know, Xbox PS5 style hyper-realistic, you know, modeling of people. And you'll look yeah. at these people and you get like that uncanny valley feeling like, well, you know what you're looking at is not real, but it looks very realistic. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of like what this felt like. You, they're, they're, they are modeling you using sensors and they're projecting this hyper-realistic 3D model onto the screen that looks a lot like you, but it really isn't you. 
right? So, 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 but can we take this another step further is how much less real do I want this thing to be in me? Do I want them to model every single imperfection on my face or do I want to look like a more perfect version of myself or do I not even want to look like myself? Maybe I want to look like, I don't know, Brad Pitt. <laughs> so you want Project Starline with a beauty mode. Right. Or maybe I want to be like a, you know, a, a you know, a, a, an 80-year-old child version of myself, you know, with, with, with you know. Oh, with, man, with, could you imagine? But, but, but let them mutate my voice also. It makes it sound like my, the eight-year-old version of me talking with my, you know, with my, with, with my current language. You know, that would be awesome. Yeah. We, and then we could do an episode of me talking to an eight-year-old version of you. <laughs> right. That'd be fantastic, right? Yeah, absolutely. I, I look forward to it. I'm sure this stuff is years, and I mean years away. It was a, a big hardware setup that they had this on, and you know, it's nowhere near ready for any of us to use in our living rooms or offices or whatever, wherever. But you know, it, it's it's exciting, as I said earlier, to see Google is working on some of this stuff that's going to push the future forward in technology. And I appreciate them being willing to give us a glimpse behind the curtain and what's going on. Whereas Apple, we don't know what they're doing until no. the announcement. We hear rumors. We, we, you know, there's, there's a lot of smoke about a lot of things Apple is doing, but we don't ever see it until it's ready. And sometimes it's never ready, but Usually. Google's always, yeah. Google's always willing to kind of put itself out there and say, Hey, we're at least working on this. And here's, here's what we're thinking the future is going to look like. And even if Starline or even, uh, the voice recognition stuff doesn't work out, they're going to make discoveries and work on things during that that's going to lead to other products and services down the road too. So this is this is more than just Project Star, Starline and uh, the voice recognition stuff. So I'm excited yeah. to see where it goes. I mean, honestly, I think half the stuff on this list may not even see light of day in the same way that they that they necessarily intended to. to, to do. I mean, like, you know, you look at the, the Lambda stuff um, you know, the, the Pluto, you know, natural language query things. I don't think those things are necessarily going to appear in this in this exact form, but right. they'll but they'll exist somehow. Um, I mean, all these these things that they're announcing for the most part are platform fundamental platform infrastructure enhancements to Google's services. These are not yeah. tangible things you can necessarily hold in your hand, with the exception of Android. For the most part, uh, yeah. Most of these are things that are work behind the scenes, right? So, uh, and 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 you know, you you for us that you know interact with this platform, we'll notice improvements in certain things. You know, uh, you know, like I mean, you know, 15, 10, 15 years ago, um, you know, we didn't have the ability to talk directly to Google. Right. We couldn't do the Hey Google. We couldn't, you know, ask our phones things with, an, you know, we, we couldn't ask questions and do searches with, with a voice. You know, now that's something that's natural and normal that we do all the time. Right. Right. So yep. so these are exactly those types of things that, you know, five or six, seven, eight years from now, we may be using them all the time as if it was just a normal aspect of interacting with Google stuff, you know. Yeah, I agree with you. It was notable that there was no hardware announced yesterday. Usually they announce some form of hardware. The last couple of years for True. IO, they have announced their cheap Pixel devices, right? So like this year would have been a Pixel 5a. They didn't announce a Pixel 5a. They didn't release the Galaxy Buds no. A, which leaked a couple of weeks ago by Google itself. They tweeted out an announcement and then deleted it a few seconds later. Pixel so, Buds, yeah. Yep. Yeah. 
well, they, the Pixel Buds A are the cheap version of the Pixel Buds. So, he, oh. which it just makes it sound like it's a Canadian <laughs> device. Right? So, so got the Pixel get, Buds so, A, <laughs> and, and and no Pixel Buds Max, I assume. So, yeah, pr- uh, probably not. So, I think that was the most notable thing for me. Granted, it was only day one. There are more keynotes today. Hopefully they focus more on Chrome OS and I'd love to hear what they're doing with the smart home. They didn't touch on that yesterday at all. I'm not sure what they're planning on announcing today, just like I wasn't sure on yesterday, but hopefully there's some good stuff in there. I'm Jason Cipriani. And I'm Jason Perlow. And this is Jason Squared. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We truly appreciate it. Make sure to leave a review if you can. Take a few moments to do that. And then check out more of our work at ZDNet.com.